0: We always start with our customers, so where are we struggling to keep up? Where are we chasing ourselves as far as throughput goes? And that's where we'll start the evaluation. There, there's obviously a monetary benefit to using the robot better quality, better throughput, but it's it's where can we where can we generate more parts and, and, and get ahead for our customers. So that's for us that's really the starting point. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This
1: Jim, how's business going? You know, Jason, it's crazy.
2: Things are really up. I am I, excited to say that I think that we're headed for a, a, a new renaissance in the industry. You know, like the glory days of manufacturing like it was years ago. Well, how, how many years ago? Well, I'm, I'm talking that the, the great recession that we talked about on a past uh, podcast, you know, uh, I'm talking about the days back, maybe like in the '80s. I, I really think we're, we're we're headed for that. You know, the reshoring initiative has really uh, increased. Uh, you know, the U.S. has become much more efficient in how we manufacture and how we ship. Um, the, the The only bad part is the job market is really tightening, and there's a lack of skilled people and all and all that stuff that we've talked about in the past. But uh, you know the supply chain has become interwoven across the entire globe. You know these big OEMs—they're they're procuring parts from China, Germany, U.S., Mexico. It's it's crazy how it's um it it's gone. And, and you know the Cranes Manufacturing Summit is is really a great going to be a great event because it's at the epicenter of the manufacturing community right here, dead smack in the middle of the U.S.
1: Yeah, next week, you and I are going to be at the Cranes Manufacturing Summit, um, and we're going to be talking about all of those trends that are going on in the manufacturing industry. So on Thursday, February 26th at 7.30 a.m. at the Ritz-Carlton, Chicago, we hope to see many of our listeners there. Yeah, that'd be and, cool. Yeah, that would be nice. And what you need to do is you need to go to makingchips.com slash manu25, M-A-N-U 25, and that will give you all the information about the Cranes Manufacturing Summit. And then when you go to register, um, manufacturers need to use the promo code MANU25 to get $25 off their registration.
2: Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Hey, welcome everyone. We're here in the studio. We're here talking about uh, robotics today. It's episode 11. Can you believe that, Jason? I cannot. Yeah, well, we're here with Jason Zanger and uh, we're I'm really excited to introduce uh, a really good friend of mine that I've known um, for quite a few years. He's um, an expert um, in robotics and he's gonna share with us uh, what he's been doing at his machine shop uh, with robotics. Jason, welcome. Thank you. welcome, Jim. Yeah. welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me guys. I'm excited. yeah, it's fun. Jason, before we get started and get into the meat of uh, the conversation, why don't you tell our listeners and Brian, for that matter, what what is making chefs? You know, what is this brand? What is this concept? What is it? What the
0: hell is this podcast all about? Well, first of all, Brian, have you listened to one of our episodes yet? I have not yet. I've heard a lot about it, but I can't wait to. Turn my first one on. I I, I, heard I bet you, you're going to listen to
2: uh, episode 11. I
0: will listen to episode 11, and I just heard congratulations, guys! You were just what, what was what, what was the note that you received from iTunes? Oh, so we were featured on the new and new and
1: noteworthy list on iTunes. Pretty cool, yeah, yeah which is be- really neat considering how niche of a podcast we are. I mean, there's the manufacturing industry is big, but it's not you know. It's not a, you know, 100% of the population doesn't understand what manufacturing is, so it's it's pretty neat to be in the new noteworthy. It really is.
0: Well, and I think for manufacturers it's always been a struggle to get them to the marketing level to to do more marketing, to talk more about what we're doing because it is exciting. It is, it is innovative and I think we we need to do our part to get that word out there and get people listening and and understanding what our role is in the rest of the world
1: absolutely right? and you know the whole point of making chips is to help our peers in the manufacturing industry with valuable content so that's what we're trying to do trying to elevate the uh, the industry
2: absolutely and just share our work experiences what you know we think we're experts and I think we're an expert but at the end of the day I think it's just a sharing community we're just trying to tell people what we did what's worked for us what hasn't worked for us and um,
1: and, and, and not only when we say us, not only Jim and I, but also, you know, these VIP guests like Brian. Absolutely. So, so let me wh- introduce welcome. Brian. Yeah. Welcome, Brian. So Brian is the third generation vice president of Panic Precision in the suburbs of Chicago. And- Neither of us knew this before we met, but we actually both went to the same undergraduate college, um, Washington University in St. Louis. Brian got a marketing and operations degree. I got an engineering degree. So we probably crossed paths at some point, but we never knew each other. Brian's currently the chairman of the board at the TMA, which is a 1,000-member company manufacturing trade association. Prior to working in the family business at Panic Precision, Brian worked at Havas Worldwide, which is a full-service marketing firm in downtown Chicago. Currently, Brian oversees operations at Panic Precision. So Panic Precision, they're a CNC precision machining company. They have multi-spindle screw machining. Tube cutting and forming. They have 175 employees and their annual sales are $25 million. They are an ISO 9001 certified company and their customers are in the automotive, security and access, military, and industrial control industries. So, Brian, your company was started in 1945 by your grandfather. Your dad took over in 1972 and you took your role in 2004. So, what year are your kids going to start getting involved in the family <laughs> well, business?
0: Well, I've got three daughters who That's okay. come, come to work with me every Saturday. It's nice. a women's world, man. We're all in manufacturing, so we're, we're always there on Saturday. And they look forward to coming. They want to see Grandpa there because Grandpa started that tradition where you're, you're there on Saturday working, keeping the machines running, showing your face. And my eight-year-old, I, I have a feeling when she's 24, 25, she'll be running that place.
1: Really? And wh- why do you see that already?
0: Well, she, she's the firstborn, so it's the driver personality, nah. w- wants to take charge, wants to be the boss. The power and child. You, you can see it. She's a lot like my dad where... She, she just takes charge and wants to tell people what to do. So I think it's going to be a good fit for her. I think she's got every possibility to make it in a
2: manufacturing
1: world in the future. It's evolving so much. Oh, yeah. We, we've talked about that on previous yeah, episodes, that, you know, women have such a role in the manufacturing industry. I mean, The doors process. are
2: wide open for them. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 great. It's she's going
1: to be running 200 robots by the time. Jason, the gets it's, there.
0: it's not your grandmother's machine shop anymore. Right.
1: It's your granddaughter's, right? Exactly.
0: And I should clarify, panic is P-A-N-E. K, not P-A-N-I-C, even though it feels like on a daily basis that that's what we're dealing yeah, with. Def- yeah, definitely. De- dealing with the automotive world primarily I uh, can imagine. For us. Yep. Yeah. Grow old quick.
2: Just briefly, did, did Jason hit it right on all the, the history? Is there anything you want to add about the history? I kind of like that. You know, I'm kind of old school. I like to hear- Well, we're I all,
1: like, you know, second and third generation. I know.
2: It's crazy. It's great. It's uh, awesome. So um, and again, Brian, uh, thank you. It's a privilege to have you here. Uh, I really appreciate the time you took to, to come and, and share your experiences with us. Can you give us a, a quick elevator pitch on Panic? And that'll be the, the lead-in to, to, to what uh, you're going to talk about.
0: Well, as Jason mentioned, we, we were founded in 1945. My grandfather, at the time that was World War II, he was working out at the Rock Island Arsenal uh, during the war. It came to an end. He moved back to Chicago, decided to buy a machine shop. And I, I think we, we came across the records two years ago. We found the actual certificate of the sale between him and the the gentleman they bought from. I think it was five thousand dollars of equipment, everything else, which when you think about 1945 back then that, that was a lot of money. Huge, but he Huge. he made it he made work in the in the factory it was no more than maybe twenty by forty feet large, and now we're in one hundred and eight thousand square feet, our fifth building, so it's really exciting to see where we've gone. But I think the one, the one constant for us has always been investing in new technology and equipment. Mm-hmm. So in 1945, it was going from a drill press and a Brown and Sharp to a New Britain screw machine. For my dad back in the 80s, it was going from the New Britons and the Brown and Sharps to the CNC Brown and Sharp. And then more of the CNCs became prevalent. And, and so we're seeing that progression, that evolution of our machinery and equipment. And for us, robotics was a logical next step based on where we, where we were and where we think our customers are going.
2: So with that said, when did you hear about robotics and what planted that seed in your mind and said, hey, is there a possibility that I can integrate this
0: technology in my shop? When was that and how long ago? Well, interestingly enough, we had our first robot in 1985. Before I came over here, I was talking to my dad a little bit about the history. And I remember when I was younger, he had his first robot. It was, it was a Camco brand and they're, they're since out of business but there was a a pretty large volume project that he had but it was a simple pick and place so it it would he had to make i think it was 600 to 700,000 components of of an automotive part where they received the powder metal blank they had to do the finished machining and they were only getting about 65-70% efficiency so they bought the robot but again it was a simple pick and place you had to bring the company in to program it for you set it up it was it was very oh, large. So you had, and very no, you had no
2: control over what the robotic was do. You had to like outsource the programming. Exactly.
0: So it was preset. I'm I'm sure there were some adjustments on there that they can make, but otherwise it was, it, it was. So
2: really, what you're telling me, it was your dad's brainchild. Your dad was the one that came up with this concept. He must have heard about it somewhere because 1985 was you know exactly 30 years ago. He he actually bought that first one and implemented it into the shop at that time.
0: He did. and I, and I don't know how long he ran it. I, I want to say maybe seven to ten years, but the problem and, and we see this in automotive all the time is, is uh, platforms change, things go obsolete. The automotive companies, they just they make changes on the fly. So if you have an existing program that was set where you buy this robot that is set to this job with this fixture, for this machine, they were not very modular at all back then. It's not good when they rev the print. It's, it's not good <laughs> when they rev the print. It's not good when uh, when, when things go obsolete or um, or they cancel a model. So then, he was always trying. He was always trying to find a job for that robot. You know, you're trying to find make that happen, and so that kind of came to a standstill. And I think he ended up with two of those robots, but by By the late 90s, we weren't running any of them. So just to to back up a little bit, the the robotic technology has been there for years, even before 1985. It's how affordable and how practical is it for the smaller, whether it's a machine shop, a stamping shop, the mold makers. So what were the underlying drivers back in
2: 1985 that made your dad say, hey, I really need to get it? I mean, like, was it fiscal? Did he think he could improve the process? Um, Was it technological? He wanted to just evolve that the company was a part of his evolution of making the company grow or was it that did the customer say hey hey panic you, you need to make this job run faster and cut my cost what what was that
0: i if i had to guess i, w- I would think it was more that he couldn't keep up with the production you know back then 600 to seven hundred thousand pieces a oh year God, was it was a huge. lot of pieces and off a screw machine you could do it off an automatic but when they were receiving a blank from a powdered metal supplier to finish machining, that's a lot of loading. And well, this
2: was going into a CNC vertical machining center? Or, it, was or going,
0: it was going into a lathe, I believe. Okay. A, a, yeah, either CNC chuck or CNC lathe to do some finished machining. But I think that's what drove it for him was that there was all this volume and he couldn't keep up. Hmm. And like I said, the efficiency with a human was about 65 70%. When they did their studies, it was 98%. Wow.
2: What are the thought variables that you think of when you think about the ideal robotic job. I mean, let's say you get a, a, a quote tomorrow in your inbox and you're looking at it and you're like, damn, this is this is a this is a sweet job for is is that how it all takes over is that what what happens or do you take an existing legacy job that's running in your cnc equipment and you say you know we th- this job's repeating every three months the quantities are really up there we really need to um integrate robotic technology
0: into this process or is it both i i think it's both and i think just to, to back up again i think it's important for the audience to know there, there is no one size fits all I, I i think it's really who who is your company what what is your customer base all about what are your needs so um for us personally yeah it, it was where's the low hanging fruit of simple loading unloading where uh where we have employees that we want to train for higher skilled jobs and get them to positions that are more value adverse a simple load to a machine that's oily with chips flying mm-hmm. that that might not be the the, the safest environment and so th- that when we first started looking at the robotics that, that was what we attacked first, was the low-hanging fruit. And as we've gotten better at it, and as we've added more robots, it's become, okay, where's the job on the floor that that is repetitive and, and, and that we can do that with? But as we're quoting new jobs with our customers, that's our first thought is, hey, we can put this on a robot now. Sweet. And when we get feedback nice. regarding how competitive we are, all right, what what can we do with a robot? Are your customers
2: work? driving robotic technology, though? Are they saying? Because obviously, they would probably come to you, and, and they know that you do have robots in your shop, are they saying, hey, Brian, can you put that in the machine with one of the robots to save time or cut cost? Or do you use that as a sales tool? I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, man, I would love to go into a prospect or or my existing customer base and say, yeah, we've, we, you know, we've got 21 robots now in our shop. And because that's real salesy, that's real, it's very high tech, I think. So can
0: you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, You know, even though we had those older robots going back to the 80s, again, we had about a 10, 15-year gap where we really weren't uh, utilizing the technology. And we'd been approached a number of times by companies selling CNC machines, hey, we can automate this for you. And so my first question for them was, well, I've got this existing machine. Can you automate this for me? Well, no, you have to buy a CNC machine if you want my robot. Well, that doesn't Uh, work for us. We have plenty of machines. We wanted the robot. So that's really what kept us from making the purchase because we couldn't just buy a robot that was super modular that we can move around and would have flexibility for us. And so we we've been hunting for a while, but we finally and I have to give my dad credit for this, he was at a trade show, just had to be walking around, had had a discussion probably a month before with another member of the TMAR Trade Association that you mentioned earlier. And he was he had talked to my dad about, oh, you gotta get into get into robotics. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're we've been looking at it, we just haven't found the right, the right mix for us. My dad's walking through the trade show and he, he knew right away, this is the robot that we need. It was super modular, easy to program, small enough for our shop. And so that's where it started for us when, when we bought our first robot, was that we finally... So what
2: you're saying is the evolution of Panic's robotic technology kind of dipped a little bit after that initial period in, in the mid 80s. And we probably went through a few recessions. That's another podcast, by the way. But we probably went through a few reche- recessions that kind of roadblocked it a little bit. But then your dad through relationships and through technology and, and everybody he knows, reintroduced him to the newer robotic technology. So he kind of reintroduced it, what, five, 10,
0: 15 years later after that initial buy? Correct, and, and again, he and I have talked about that for 10 years. We it's really We need to get into automation, And yep. but we, did, we just couldn't find that mix, and we finally did. The primary line that we use now is universal robots so here's a good
2: question yep. so you know I always think when 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 I'm doing things in life and I'm, I've been doing it for a while I, I always ask myself where was my aha moment when was the point in the last 30 years when you your dad or anybody in the business you know you're managing people your management had that aha moment said holy god this this is just this is it this is this is really saving us time. This is really saving us money.
0: When was that time? Well, for my my dad who was at the show, when he saw this robot take a bun, take a hamburger patty, put it on the bun, take the two ketchup and mustard bottles, squeeze it, put the top of the bun on, wrap it up, and then hand it to somebody at the show. Wow. That was his aha moment. I was with him the whole time. I agreed with him. But when you first turn on that robot and you see it load and you see your production go from let's say, and, and this, this happened on one of our machines from 18 an hour to 32 an hour right away. That's great. Then, I mean, that's, that's the aha moment. And, and what I think's even more important is for our audience, it, we all go through this at our, at our machine shops or even if you're running a larger operation, you, you have the employees that, well, for 30 years, we've done it this way. This is how we've always done it. And once they finally saw how the robots were working and in the, in the throughput, and I'm talking about the supervisors, the throughput they were now getting, now they can redeploy their staff to other areas where maybe we can't use a robot, but that we need more throughput, we need more skill, where we need more training with our with our employees. Now, you mentioned moving your your team
1: into more value-added positions and redeploying them. Do you or, or have you made actual calculations where you say, this is my cost for this pr-
0: pr- prospective job um, or this existing job with and without robots? I think we look at it more as... You know, where where we we always start with our customers, so where are we struggling to keep up? Where 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 are we chasing ourselves as far as, as throughput goes? And that's where we'll start the evaluation. I, I, I think the there, there's obviously a monetary benefit to using the robot better quality, better throughput, but it's it's where can we where can we generate more parts and, and, and get ahead for our customers. So that's for us that's really the starting point.
1: Okay, so it's 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 more about throughput and less about cost savings.
0: Throughput and quality for me. I, the, the, the cost savings will come with it, because again, now, now you've got one operator watching three robots, and so you're, you're splitting that labor cost up, and you're getting more consistent throughput. It's like the rabbit in the hare. You know, In the short term, yeah, you could have an operator that could probably beat the robot, but over the course of 24 hours in a day, five days a week, you're going to get more from the robot.
2: You know, Because it's all new to me. I've, I've never seen it. I, I look forward to the day that I can come to your shop and actually look, see, feel, Is there one particular brand of robotic technology that you're using in your shop, or do you have a few different types?
0: No, we've been the the one we've dedicated to is Universal Robots. There are other ones out there. You've got got Zeiss, you've got Fanuc makes a line of robots. I mean, there's a ton of different lines, but Universal is what we decided to go with. And part of that was the, the ease of the programming. So we've got CNC programmers, we've got setup meant for our screw machines, more mechanically driven machines. I'm the one that programming the robot primarily. And I'm running you the are. operation. That, that, was, that was one of the questions. Who is doing the programming of these robotics? And, and so I, I did not run a machine growing up. I've been around the business my whole life. I've been around the operation, but sure. I, I never ran a machine. But when we bought the robots, I decided to take the training. And I think there's an important lesson for the audience. If you're the, if you're the owner, if you're in the operation as a supervisor, take the training. It was a four-hour training class that I took. That's it, four, four hours. Four hours. That four was Four hours. At, Four hours, and, and I learned enough where I took it back to the shop, and we learned just over the course of implementing the first couple of robots, these things can do anything. So for, for four hours of my time, we learned they can do pick and place. So they're, they're doing some simple machining for us. Uh, next month, we're gonna implement a quality check where they'll show it to a camera, show it uh, an optical no. check. To check cool. dimensions, so th- that's kind of the evolution of what we've gone through. But mm-hmm. that, that's why we settled on Universal. They're they're that modular and that flexible and easy to program.
1: So each one of those manufacturers, Universal, Fanuc, they each have their own
0: programming language. They each have their own programming language. Yeah, I would language, imagine that too.
1: It's just like it's just like with the
2: Mazak, with the Siemens control, you yep. know, a Fanuc control, you're going to get a mishmash. You know, who's the best? You talk to different people. You know, it's all different. Everyone has their favorite. You know what I mean? I'm sure you can't pick a, a favorite. So anyway, I, I was, I was, you know, doing my homework for this particular episode, and I w- was on your site, and I saw that you had a link, a news article in Wall Street Journal on your robotics. I thought, you know, kudos to you. That's fantastic. That's great PR. But within that article, they were talking about collaborative robots. C- can you explain to our audience what the difference is in just general robotic technology? And collaborative robotic technology.
0: Yeah, collaborative robots, what what they mean by that is they're they're literally working side by side with our employees. So if you think they're, of. They're holding your employees' hands. They're, they're telling they, them to they, work they faster. Could. You, you could program them to do that if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, they're, they're literally working side by side with your employees. So uh, if, you, if you picture an automotive assembly line where they're doing welding, it has to be fenced off, it has to be protected, it has to be gated. Mm-hmm. These universal robots are meant to be collaborative, working side by side with your employees, whether it's a machine shop, whether you're doing packaging, whatever it might be. They're small enough and they're program flexible enough where, yeah, they, they can work side by side with the employee. Very cool. Do you name your robots? You know what? Uh, That's a good question, we, Jason. We, 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 my daughters, my daughters name the robots. The first one we got was it was two years ago now it was right before the Blackhawks won their 2000 what was it 13 Stanley Cup, and so my daughters were naming it after all the Blackhawks. Oh, and so we start. We actually had a couple of jerseys on two of them, and no, as we got didn't. yeah as we got busier, then that started to go by the wayside. But they'll even on Saturdays when they go out there, hey, where's Hosa? Where's Taves at? It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's great. How many how many robots do you have in your shop right now? We're up to 25 robots, Oh wow! Uh, we have 10 more on order, because we, we can see the need. You have
2: 10 on order right now? We have 10 more on What's order. What's the lead
0: time on something like that? Can be as little as a week. There, yeah. There's, with Universal, again, this is another reason why we love the robot, their line so much, is they've got two models, they've got a small and a large. So you, you're not ordering anything custom, they're continually so producing it, it, the part. It's size specific. You just say,
2: "Oh, I, w- I want a small robot," and then you know, in three months, I'm going to buy a large robot. Yep,
0: they've got they've got what they call a UR5 and a UR10. Okay. So the five is a smaller model. So there is a model. It's model specific. And it's all based on the length of the arm can reach okay, and the amount of weight that it can hold. Cool. So so yeah, we have out of sense. the 25 twenty five, twenty four the smaller ones, we have one big one.
2: So how many collaborative robots do you have versus just general robots? I would say it's half and half. Okay, obviously you know, the you know, collaborative the, ones are the newer technology, right?
0: Well, the collaborative meaning they're you know they're actually as a, as an operator is doing an operation they're kind of working hand in hand with the operator. So is it versus is it
1: software difference or is it structurally a different robot?
0: No, no, it's every, everything's the same. It's just that our employees are working side by side with the robot. Okay, so it's just how you place the robot in
1: the um, in the manufacturing Correct. process. Correct. Yep. Last question.
2: Let's go 5 to 10 years forward right right from now. I mean, I I know what you're going to say because if you've got 10 on order, right? If you got 25 right now, you got 10 on order, what does the next 5 years look like? I mean, when you visualize looking out into that shop in 2020, what
1: what what do you, what do you what's your vision for that? Is it going to be all just supervisors
0: and managers just managing robots? No, I I don't think so at all. I I think you always need people. You always need the human element. It's it's where are they going to be deployed? And, and I think all of us as manufacturers, we see this with our customers. We see it with our suppliers. We see it amongst colleagues, uh, the three of us. There is a skilled labor shortage for manufacturing. Huge. So our solution right now is get the robots in to do the less value-added work and train our employee base to do the more skilled work that, that uh, we're lacking or is beginning to retire. And, again, we've had 25 robots During that time when we started with the robots, we had 165 people. We had a 25 robots, we're up to 175 people. Wow. So yeah,
2: you, would, you would think it would be static or else it would go down. Correct. But not, it's, it's showing how you're developing your process and you're, you're taking, and obviously your sales
0: are reflective of that number as and well. And I like to look at it as the robots are helping us grow and they're actually helping our employees and the entire company grow. Mm-hmm. You know, without that, I think we'd probably have less people. You know what, too? It's probably, a,
2: instead of setting a bad culture for the company, I bet it's setting a good culture because you're helping you know they their 401ks plans are getting fed probably and people are getting you know, increases they're, they're working overtime everybody loves the overtime so it's great it so it, it, it actually people would think your your old school machinists would think it's a bad thing because it's gonna take away their job but at the end of the day it's not it it's developing a higher class a, a more highly technological individual that has more skill sets working in conjunction with the robots because they're taking all those tedious, labor-intensive jobs away. Yeah, this is
0: what we need to do as an industry
1: to stay competitive. It is, absolutely. You know, it's great.
0: Well, not only that, but just to give you one example, one of the first cells that we put in, the one employee that was working, he was working on a Brown and Sharp, and and actually there's another great thing about these robots. We took a 50-year-old Brown and Sharp screw machine, turned it into a chucker, but integrate the robot with a 50-year-old machine. We were able to take this robot, integrate it with such an old machine, so we didn't have to invest in new machinery, just the robot, but back to the employee, his job day in and day out was, we, we can't keep up with our customer, you need to produce as much as you can. So he was on the machine, loading the machine, oil everywhere, chips everywhere. You know, We didn't have time to teach him how to sharpen his tools and. Do the quality? He's always doing quality checks, but do better quality checks. Understand the method and the madness behind what he was doing. Well, now he's managing three robots, and he's actually more skilled than he was before. We that's had the robots. That's
2: exactly what I'm talking about. Exa- it's building a, just a better culture for your company.
0: It's a it's a win win for everyone. It and, is. And, and, it's and awesome. I I've had it. I've had employees. We were a little worried about how the employees would feel about, it, even though we knew what the larger purpose was. But we've had people coming up to us, congratulating us, thanking us. This employee that I just referenced telling us that you know his job is more fulfilling now. He's not just sitting on a machine eight hours a day waiting for the clock to turn to 3.30. It's, he's moving around. He's standing, uh, walking around, and he's learned skills that he didn't have yep. before.
1: Right. Yep. He's got HOSA right next to him that he could talk to when he's bored. Everyone
0: you know? looks better with HOSA <laughs> next to them. <laughs>
2: It sounds fantastic. I look forward to the day where I can come and I can see your shop. I know we've been talking about it for a long time, and I just got to make the make that appointment.
0: Absolutely, and and I think and I think the biggest lesson for everyone here is don't think just because you're a small shop or you're too big of a shop that you can't integrate the automation. I there, there's enough technology out there at cost effective pricing where everyone can make it work. And for the most part, we've integrated them on lathes and chuckers, but we've done it on some machine centers. So, you know, you asked us five years from now, I eventually see us doing that with machine centers. I see us doing more optics attached to the robot where the robot is actually locating based on what the optics or what the camera is telling it, and then also doing a quality check on the part. So. It's really exciting and, and, and I and I hope everyone listening integrates this into their shop because it's that's where manufacturing is going and, and I still think manufacturing will always be the growth engine for our country. For our economy too. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. No, sure. absolutely. You, Brian. It was yeah, a lot a of pleasure fun. Pleasure having and,
2: you today and uh, it, it's always good to see you. And I'm looking, yeah, it's I'm great looking to forward have you to on. my return trip. Now i got to see what else well, I'm an there, expert there, in. Well, there we would is. love there's to have a, you out again. Yeah, there's always something to talk about. So that wraps it up for uh, making chips numero 11, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: Do you want to Tell people where they can get a hold of us at and leave comments. Yeah, or... be, um, well, even before we get into that, I do have a little something for metalworking tools that just kind of hey, popped into right my ahead. head, um, and I think it's kind of related to robotics and, and automation. One thing that we've seen in um, in my particular industry is the um, advent of of vending to uh, dispense tooling has been huge. I mean, it's really transformed our industry. Um, one of the new vending machines that's out on the market right now from the company that we deal with, AutoCrib. Instead of using a fixed height door, it uses um, like an elevator system for a door. So you can have a lot more flexibility in the type of tooling that you dispense through one of these machines. And just as Brian talked about where, um, you know, the robotic technology is is really changing and, um, and evolving at his company, the vending and the way that we dispense tooling is changing rapidly as well. And, and we're seeing a lot of new technology there. So um, AutoCrab has this new uh, vending machine that um, has, it's kind of like a, like an elevator where it comes up and comes down instead of having a um, fixed height door to, uh, to dispense tools. It's it's kind of interesting. Sounds great. Yeah, we need one of those a car. Um, I already told you that I'm ready to put <laughs> one in.
2: Great. Anyway, that wraps it up. This is episode 11. Again, uh, special thanks to our VIP guest uh, Brian Panic with Panic Precision in Northbrook, Illinois. Please feel free to visit their website and learn everything about robotics from him. Also, I'm sure Brian wouldn't mind uh, if you connect with him on his LinkedIn profile. It's Brian b-r-i-a-n panic p-a-n-e-k he's with panic precision in northbrook illinois and that wraps up episode 11 of making chips
1: yeah and if you go to makingchips.com slash 11 we'll give uh, links to all of those websites including panic precision this podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry we want to hear from you the owners managers leaders and engineers from the metalworking nation what ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips.